Hey, welcome to the It Starts With You podcast. My name is Sam Adams. I am known as the Real Life Coach, and this is a podcast that is all about exploring ourselves, about us taking ownership for our lives, taking responsibility, and our experiences and our journeys into that. I get to speak to some amazing guests and some just all round downright inspirational, awesome human beings. Plus, there's the few episodes of me just sharing my experiences of life and maybe some stuff from coaching my clients. If you want to find out more about me, please head to my website, sam-adams.com. Okay, that's it from me. Here comes your episode. All the mischievous part of my <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we make a pretty good double act when we're together. <laughs> yeah, no question. <laughs> a couple of things that um, I want to say. Um, firstly, I guess we can't start the evening without um, talking about the current situation that we all find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. um, this pandemic. And uh, I wanted to quickly touch on that before we perhaps go to the Les Brown story. Um, but how are you coping being isolated? It, um, is it different there than it is in the UK? It is, I'm, I'm, I'm in heaven. <laughs> because I don't, I just, February 17th, I turned 75. Uh -huh. I want to say I'm 75, okay? I say I'm not gonna argue with you, but I, <laughs> I will, I don't think I will ever get on an airplane again. Really? Absolutely not. This is a speaker's heaven. I train speakers. I'm teaching speakers now and people who have a fear of speaking, how they can earn 40 to $100,000 a month from home on their computer. What, by virtually speaking? Uh, yes, I, yes, I, I do that with my private private clients. But what I'm saying is that the, the there are more virtual speaking presentations than there are in person speaking presentations. I've done more. I have not done any in in person speaking engagements in the United States. I just got back from Dubai before the lockdown. But the virtual speaking is going to be and is now the dominant way in which organizations, corporations, churches will communicate. So you think this is the way forward? You think there's not gonna be much going back to the in-person or is that just your personal preference? It, this is the way forward and it's my personal preference because I can speak in three cities a day and don't have to leave my home. Yeah. So the, the, the computer, eliminates geography. So this is the reason I believe it's, this is the new normal is because it's gonna be a long time before people feel comfortable hmm. being around other people with this corona. And yeah. the numbers go up as the scientists are saying, that's, that's really, that's a game changer. But right now, all the engagements I'm getting are online. I just turned down an engagement to speak at a group in Europe. It's going to be 50,000 people. Tony Robbins is going to be on there, Eric Worre, and they offered me $175,000. Wow. 
And I said, no, this is for an hour presentation. So he said, well, I didn't mean to insult you. I understand your fee is 225,000. I said, no, I didn't say that because of that. Although I would not have agreed to speak for $175,000. However, I am not going to get on an airplane for that long. Not now. Yeah. I said, I said, I, I'm not interested in being on a plane. You have recycled, recycled air. And if there happened to be a, a corona germ that's motivated and hungry to kill somebody, <laughs> <laughs> it won't be me, buddy. I'm not getting on the plane. No way, Jose. Oh, we, we've eliminated middle seat. Well, what happened when they get up and have to cross over me to go to the bathroom? What about then? <laughs> I said exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, so homie don't play that. I've been in 51 countries. The only thing on my bucket list I have not accomplished, and that is I wanted to see the pyramids. Okay. I've not seen the pyramids. So would you and get on a plane for that? No. <laughs> You're done with flying altogether. The only place I would go back again that I've flown that I enjoyed so much, it will either be Nigeria or Dubai. Okay. Yeah. I really enjoyed being in Nigeria and South Africa. And, I, and Dubai is heaven on earth. Abu Dhabi, Dubai, that's heaven on earth without any question. What, what is so special about Dubai? I've been they to Dubai, my, my last memory is it's very hot. <laughs> they have an achievement-driven culture. Right. So whatever they do, they want to be the largest and the best. They have the largest shopping mall in the world. It used to be in Minnesota. Well, they have the largest one now where they have a lake under the, the roof of the shopping mall. They have everything there. Now, and then they have the tallest building in the world. And I think the most expensive hotel, there was one room that they reserved for me, $23,000 a night. Wow. Said, you know what? I said, I wish y'all hadn't told me that. They said, why? I said, I can't sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna be up there. It's gotta be something special up in here. <laughs> Twenty-three thousand dollars of us. What are y'all gonna come out and do for me? <laughs> oh man, I tell you, but I was shocked. It was beautiful. Oh my, you have you have a staff of, of, of three butlers and elevator in your room. It's just luxury. They take luxury to a whole new level. It's yes, just, they do. So you know what? Y'all ain't got no shame about this. <laughs> yeah, lu luxury. They know how to do luxury in Dubai for sure. 100%. Yes, they do. 100%. Yes. But you promised, listen, you promised me that you were coming back to London. I know, but I will be there virtually. <laughs> okay. I will not be there physically, although I love London now. I love it and you're only five hours away. So that might be, that's one that I will do. Yeah, yeah? okay. I'm gonna hold oh, you to that. 
Yeah, no time soon. I'm not going to come over there. Well, Mr. Brown, hello. How are you, my dear friend? We must quarantine your behind for 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> no, that ain't happening. Are they, not, are they not doing that in America when we come? Do we not get quarantined? I'm sure they do, yes. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. I like, I like my home. Yeah. I have a good time here and I have space and I have all my little toys here. So I get on the computer whenever I want to talk to my uh, 10 children, my 15 grandchildren, my four great grandsons. Wow. So I'm, I'm in heaven. And plus I train speakers. I do my one-on-one -on -one coaching here. And so. You can do everything from home. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I think the thing is, the thing that coronavirus has done for a lot of people and a lot of businesses, you know, from my point of view, normally I do one-to-one -one coaching and stuff. When I go out and I network, as you know, I go to speaking events and things like that. You, we've all had to kind of pivot our business um, to adapt to the time. So like I, I created a, an online membership and coaching group, uh, coaching and mentoring group. I didn't have that like five weeks ago. It was a case of having to pivot my business. And you're doing the same thing? Oh, without any question. When I got back from Dubai, all the speaking engagements were gone on my calendar. There were no events scheduled where people would be able to gather. But then I started getting calls the next day. Would you yeah. be willing to do our convention? And what will you charge me? So when I speak in the U.S., I charge $70,000 an hour. Mm. And so I charged them half the price of seventy of thirty-five thousand mm. dollars, and so the so the experience of doing that, it was very easy for me to do that and and still convey the energy and the passion and being able to impact and transform people individually and collectively. It was it was it was easy to do that because Absolutely. I'm accustomed to that. What. What, um, I mean, obviously during this whole pandemic, a lot of people have felt, I guess, worried and scared and fearful. I think one of the biggest things is uncertainty. It's created a lot of uncertainty. How, how, have, you, how have you, I guess, coped with that? Did you feel uncertain? Did you feel fearful? No. The, you know, Viktor Frankl said that adversity introduces the person to themselves, and he's absolutely right. I felt empowered. I feel like the, the saying people said, God said, you know what? Y'all raising so much hell down there. Everybody go to your room and don't come out until I tell you. <laughs> so, this is a spiritual time. I mean, my heart goes out for the families that are grieving and friends who've lost someone. But there's a spiritual component. This is a time, I think, to rethink your life. Mm. And I asked myself, I turned 75 February the 17th, where do you want to go from here? How do you, how do you want to emerge out of this? Because my goal is not to be the same coming out of this period where we are coming in. And yeah. I hope that everyone is thinking like that. Yeah. And seeing this as a as a a cocoon, because when the caterpillar goes in, he doesn't go in there and sit down and watch CN, 
CNN and, <laughs> and Netflix. Netflix and Michael Jordan movies. He's in there trying to sew these legs together to make feathers, uh, practicing how to fly. He's doing push-ups and sit-ups to lose that big fat body <laughs> so that he can be able to be light enough to soar like R. Kelly used to soar. I believe I can fly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a time for transformation, for looking at yourself, yeah. and determining how do you want to spend the rest of your life. If you always ask myself the question, if I had six hours to live, or excuse me, my apologies, if I had six months to live, what would I do differently? Because I believe in living a life of no regrets. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I review that and see, am I incorporating those things that I would do? Because I don't know if I have one month to live or one day to live. So I always review the things that I wrote down and I do it, the majority of them, yeah. over 80 to 85% of those things. So, the, it's, so when you look at your life, you, you have to, to me, what this does is help us to begin to live with what I call a sense of urgency. Yep. Wayne Dyer and I had a, a PBS special that we we're going to do to raise funds for public television that had been eliminated by the Trump administration. And we kept putting it off. And then finally he called me and said, Les, I'm ready to do it. So I said, great. And we set a date. And then I get a call two days later. Are you up? Yes. Are you on the computer? No get on, Wayne is gone. gone. Where'd he go? He's out of here. He's, he had a heart attack in his sleep. Hello. Hello. Can you still hear me, Les? He looked at his nurse and said, this is a strange one. <laughs> This thing called life is fascinating. Uh, did, yeah. did everybody continue to hear Les? Because I dropped out. Were you all good? Cool. I told you to stop drinking before coming on the broadcast. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I missed everything you said because my internet dropped out, but I'm sure it was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm really sorry, everybody. Um, my Right, um, I want to ask you, Les, anyway, listen, you know, you have always, your story is incredible. Um, you know, your background, where you came from. What I want to know is where does the self-belief come from? Because I've followed you for decades. Uh, yeah. I'm privileged enough to have spent some really quality time with you. Um, and not once does, does your self-belief ever seem to have wavered. I want to know, has it ever wavered? And where does that come from? Well, my mother, she, I never forget who we are and who we become. Doctor, he wrote the book called Learned, Learned Optimism. It's going to come to me. It said to a large extent, 
of what we see and what we're around, the people that we're exposed to between ages zero and five. And my mother was my hero, you know. I, I always say I'm here because of two women. One gave me life, the other one gave me love. God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother. Mm-hmm. I remember going on Miami Beach and, and, and mama, she had to take me with her because the neighbors said that I was a little touched in the head. <laughs> they wouldn't keep me, but they would keep the other six kids that Baba took, took in as foster kids and later adopted. And they used to have signs on Miami Beach that said, Jews, dogs, and coloreds or Negroes not allowed. And I used to ask my mother, I said, Mama, why do they hate us so much? Why do they treat us like this? And she said, I don't know. And then she said something else that really grabbed me. I was five years old. She said, we don't, we don't ever wanna be like them. No matter what they do, Leslie, doing evil for evil is not right. Don't worry about what they do. Mm. You have to be responsible for you. Don't ever be like them. And that, to see that level of groundedness within herself. Now, here's a woman who beat me like a man. I was five years old. If you get my book called You've Got to Be Hungry, I let her her dress go. I was used to hold her dress and mama walk real fast downtown Miami, about 95 degrees, and I ran up to a water fountain and started drinking water. And she grabbed me by the neck and said, don't you do that, and slung me to the ground. And she punched me on the head and hit me in the eye and beat me like a man with a crazed look in her eyes. And I said, mama, please, it's me. And then a white cop came by and he was hitting a billy club in his hand. He said, all right, all right. You beat that little nigga boy enough. Now I won't have to beat him. And he walked away and just laughing. <laughs> and my mother, she broke down and started crying. I was already crying. I said, mama, why did you beat me like that? And she said, I saw that white policeman, Leslie. His face turned red and I saw how he was holding the nice stick coming towards you. That water fountain is for whites only. He was going to beat you. And had he hit you with that nightstick, he would have had to kill me. And I'd have left you and your brothers and sisters to fend for yourselves. And to think that she had to beat me like an animal to keep a grown man with a gun and a nightstick from hitting me because I was drinking from a white only water fountain. I'm five years old, 30, 95 degrees in Miami. And so to what got me, judge a person not by what they do, but what they do that they don't have to do. And to judge the true quality of a person, what they do when no one's looking. So my mother, even though she had a third grade education, she found a way 
to raise seven children she didn't give birth to. When a reporter asked her, when I had got a show, the uh, Les Brown talk show, and, and King World had paid me $5 million to do that show, uh, the, a reporter asked her, how did you know you can raise seven children by yourself? And she said, I just believe the Lord will make a way somehow. And I watched and observed my mother, of all the children she brought in, I was the closest and I watched her and I studied her and I am just like her. I take on projects and stuff say, how are you gonna do that? I said, oh no, but I believe the Lord will make a way somehow. And so she, she really lived walking by faith and not by sight. And she was strong. She went through a lot. And I, I, I made a pledge watching her get ready to go to work. And she said, oh, Arthur's bothering me. I said, Mama, who's Arthur? She said, don't worry. You live long enough, you'll find out. And she's talking <laughs> about arthritis in your, in your knee and your ankle. And I, and I used to rub her feet and ankles. And she would tell me stories. There's some things you can't see as they're happening. But you look back and you can see the value. And it, it taught me how to tell stories because she was a great storyteller. Yeah. And my brothers and sisters, they had no interest, but I did. Mama, tell me that story about that alligator you used to feed. Oh, Leslie, I've told you that a hundred times. I know, Mama, but tell me again. And the reason that I wanted her to tell me again, she was said with the same excitement like she was doing it for the first time. And that's how I train speakers. I said, when you go speak to an audience, I don't care if you've been giving your speech for a hundred times, that 101 audience, they're hearing it for the first time. Yeah. So you've got to go through it like it's then. Don't present, experience it so they can experience it with you. Our goal is when we, uh, before an audience and, and the goal of objective you have of this program, how people live their lives as a result of the story they believe about themselves. Yeah. What I'm doing now to train speakers to do is to distract, dispute, and inspire. How to distract them from their story, creating an experience with your story. Through the execution of your story, you dismantle their current belief system and you ignite their spirit, distract, dispute, and inspire. And, and, and I, I believe that right now particularly, since the suicide rate has increased over 32% before corona since 1999, <clears throat> is to create messengers of hope. That's, that's what I'm up to in my life. That's what you've always been up to. Yes, that's true. I've been, I've been teaching people how to earn money in this area, but I want them to be able to earn money and to make a difference too. Absolutely, impact, to make impact. But, so obviously you learn your resilience and your self-belief comes from your mother. But what times in your life have you, I guess, have there been times in your life where you've doubted yourself or you've felt demotivated? Because I believe that happens to us all at some, time, at some point. You know, I'm, I'm super positive and optimistic, but there have been times and dark times where I have doubted myself and it's been difficult to motivate myself. And I'm interested to know when have you experienced those times and how have you coped with them? The demotivation part, I take care of. If I find myself wavering and drifting in that area, I listen to a variety of my motivational messages. 
And the reason that I do is because of where my life was, my energy and my passion. I listen as a listener and, and, it, and I listen to another person that I enjoy, Joe DePenza. I love him and Bruce Lipton who wrote The Biology of Hope and another friend of mine, Willie Jolly, one of my mentees, that he wrote the book, A Setback is a Setup for a Comeback. So I, and, and Dr. Howard Thurman, who was, a doc, who was a mentor of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Abbott Schweitzer. So I encourage people to have a collection of things that they listen to, words, music, things that they read that, that empowers them. And, and allow them to begin to program their own minds. They're, when fear shows up, the majority of people face fear, forget everything and run. That's what Zig Ziglar said, forget everything and run. Yeah. But there's a small number of people, they face everything and rise. Yeah. And, and so we're in a crisis and, and, and as I said, over and over again that when we we embrace what the chinese meant by crisis danger and opportunity so a lot of people focused on just the danger and we want to be mindful of keeping a socially distant place that's safe that does not put us in jeopardy our family and our friends but we want to focus on the opportunities out of this time i'm earning more money sitting in front of my computer doing events like this than I did flying up and down on an airplane. Had no idea that I would be able to, to do it the way that I'm doing it. And, and so this, this gives me more time with my grandchildren, more time with myself. I believe that because of this, I've been dancing with cancer for 27 years. It's challenging to maintain a disciplined menu or what you eat when you're up and down on airplanes. But now that I'm in one place, I can kick cancer's butt. And that's what I'm in the process of doing. It will be history before the end of the year in my life. It's gonna say, you know what? We gotta go someplace else. This guy <laughs> takes the way stuff. He's gonna wipe us off the face of the earth. <laughs> I mean, they got stuff inside of me fight. Get back, I'm supposed to be doing that. Get over there, Alpo. <laughs> No wheatgrass. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a pretty good job at kicking it before that. I mean, I, I when did when were we in London? November, I think. You you were pretty strict with your diet back then. You were doing a good job. Oh yes, you have to, and you have to talk to yourself. I I had a friend call me this morning, and he 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 sent me a card, and he says thank you so much. Uh, another friend called me and said, hey. Have you heard Ollie's going to hospice? I said, you know, you're lying. No. Yes, he has cancer metastasized, and they, they said diagnosis terminal. I said, give me his number. So I called him. I said, Ollie, what's happening? Hey, Les, hey, man, what's happening? I said, I'm doing great, and so are you. He said, no, I'm not. He said, I, I'm supposed to be going to hospice. My family, they're putting me in hospice. The doctor recommended it. They provided palliative care, and I'm going to hospice. Hospice? I said, from hospice to the cemetery? I said, are you ready to go? He said, no, but they tell me that I'll have long. I said, listen to me. Are you listening? Listen, Linda. He said, okay, and he started laughing. 
I said, listen, man, they determine the diagnosis. God determines the prognosis. Hell no, stop speaking to him. You don't need to talk to him anymore. Your, your immune system has been compromised by them saying that you're terminally ill. They should tell you you're terminally ill. They should say that my ability to help you has terminated. Now you need to explore some other options. So I said, and besides, you owe me some money. Your ass ain't going to die now. So <laughs> owe me $3,000. Thank you. Then I'll come over there and give you about the mouth resuscitation for $3,000. <laughs> so what happened? His wow. friend called me back. Lorraine said, Les, I don't know what you said to him. She said, his wife said he's gotten up. He's walking around. He's actively engaged. He's making uh, appointments. He's ordered some organic food to be delivered every day. He bought a new breathing machine. <laughs> she said, I don't know, because I said some other things, but I don't want to say it on here. About to make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. <laughs> Like you gonna die over me, buddy. I, I got your die. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God, you do make me laugh. Fascinating. Oh, dear, you do make me laugh. You always make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. It's laughter is very important. Dr. Norman Cousins, he laughed himself, himself back to good health. He was a physicist who was diagnosed, diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he watched I Love Lucy movies and Groucho Marx and different other comedies every day for months. Yeah. And, and he was healed. It's called yeah. the anatomy of an illness. Yeah. One minute of anger weakens your immune system for four to five hours. Wow. On the other hand, one minute of laughter boosts your immune system for over 24 hours. So the yeah. people who watch this, by the time we get through, they won't get sick for 30 years. <laughs> it's funny you say that because in, um, in my private membership group, we've been talking about resilience for the whole of May. And I put a little post in there the other day and I just said three quick things you can do to boost your energy and boost your mood. And laughter and watching something funny was one of those three things because I firmly uh, believe in that as well myself. Um, if I'm yeah. going to watch anything on the TV, it's going to be something that's going to make me laugh. Yeah, and you want to watch things that will inspire you. Why is that important? Mm. Because you want to interrupt your self-explanatory style and, 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 and interrupt what's in the collective consciousness about certain things. So when I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, whatever I face today, together, you and I can handle it. Lord, whatever I face today, together, you and I can handle it. And so I say that seven times. Then I review what I want out of the day that I wrote last night. And then I do my visualization and, and I go for a walk. And every step I take, I said, I thank God I'm cancer free. Every step and every way, I'm getting better and better. No matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. And then I'll repeat that over and over every step that I go along the way. And so the reason that I do that, so it comes from the conscious mind 
to the subconscious mind and and it it begins to impact you at the cellular level mm. it's an interesting dance and journey i love it it's it you discover a lot about yourself and you search for peace that's the key cancer cells going crazy <clears throat> and so this stage of my life i'm living from this place yana von sant wrote something i got to talk to her she's she's up in people's faces it's so ugly but this she said, give to yourself until your cup runneth over, and then give to others from the other. No talking. I love that. I'm always preaching that. Yes, that's true. And I had just been giving to everyone now. For once, I'm focusing on me. I, it, it's a miracle that I made to 75, because <laughs> I never took time for me. And I, my work is not work. And I travel and someone else pays for it. I, I stay at five-star hotels. So there's nowhere I want to go. And so taking a vacation was not something I considered mm. because I have such a good time doing what I love to do and then get paid for it. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> but you know, when you, I, my passion is changing people's lives. I believe we were not born to work for a living, but to live our making. And living our making will make our living. And I found a way to do that, which I love most, change people's lives and earn a living during the process. Yeah. I think that when we live from a hard-centered life, and this is what H stands for in hunger in my book, living a hard-centered life, that, that you, it's a calling and it's something that you love so much you do it for nothing, but you do it so well that people will pay you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And that's something that you, I know you reinforced um, to me when we were uh, last year, when we were together. And, that, and, I, and I hope, and I know we did a recording together. And I, I listen to that quite often because you talk about that uh, in that recording we did. And um, it just, it really reinforced to me about going forward with my speaking and coaching and mentoring and, and impacting lives. That's what I love to do. Um, and at that time I wasn't even getting paid to really coach. Now I'm getting paid to coach and to speak. Uh, and, and that's thanks to you in part for just reinforcing that to me last year. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was about protecting our own peace. Um, and you mm -hmm. touched on it there because I think this, uh, this week in the UK, it's uh, mental health awareness week. And, and for me that, sorry? Your voice is going in and out, I couldn't hear you. What would you ask? I said this year, uh, sorry, this week in the UK, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Yes. Um, so for me that the, the most important thing is really for us to take care of ourselves first, to take responsibility for our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and our behaviors. Um, but it's also to protect our peace, our mindset. Yes. Without any question. Um, absolutely. So uh, it's good that you, you know, everything that you just said in the last couple of minutes kind of reinforces that, um, that we have to take care of ourselves first. Yes, you can't give from an empty wagon. We nope. have to refill. Uh, I remember when I was talking to a friend about two and a half months ago, it was a very good friend, and I kept saying, to him, life 
will bring you enough drama by itself. You don't have to help the process. Yeah. Find peace within yourself and you'll be able to create peace with your family and, and particularly your father. And so for a moment he listened and then he got angry and he and his father had a fight. I had sent him a, a note that said, when, when things go wrong, don't go with them. And, and he was unhinged and I could just sense something's about to happen. And he, his, his, his daughter called me and said, my father never got, he never read the quote that you sent him. I think if he did, he would be alive today. I said, what happened? She said, he and, and my grandfather had an argument and he killed him and he killed himself. I said, you gotta be kidding. So what happened here during lockdown? The average people give, they talk around two, two and a half to three minutes a week, looking eyeball to eyeball, husband and wife. Two and a half to three minutes a week. Mm -hmm. So here they are not communicating. Things are tense between them. He, and all of the other stuff starts playing into it. When the father used to beat the mother and, and, and mistreat this young man who he was also abused. And so he's got a scarred image of himself. He hates his father and they start fighting. He kills his father and then kills himself. I think that having campaigns that we use the media to interrupt our collective thinking with words, with images, to give us a, a spirit of optimism. There was a movie I loved years ago by George Allen. It's called Oh God. I don't know if you ever saw it. Oh, you're too young. You were in diapers then. It was called Oh God. It was very positive. I loved George Allen. He was so, he's such an incredible man. And, and so I think that we need to have things that people can see that can make them feel good, that can see themselves in the future, that will encourage them to build mental fortitude and strengthen their faith to upgrade their skill set, to have a, a minimum of three to four things that they master, and to create a community of collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships that will, that will take them to a place within themselves that they can never go by themselves. If people do those three things, we can reduce the suicide rate. If people do those three things, fortify their mind, upgrade their skill set, develop collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships. We can decrease the incarceration rate. We can increase hope. And when there's hope in the future, that gives you power in the present. We can make a lot of impact on people because a lot of people have given up. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. 
We have been talking for 45 minutes already. I think I've asked probably two of my 15 or so questions. Come on, bring them, baby. I'll give you Reader's Digest answers. Come on, bring it on. Let's go. What I want to do is ask anybody who's watching, if there is something you quickly want to ask Les, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just put your hand up or type it in the comment box. I'll maybe let a couple of you ask a question if, if you want to. Um, somebody sent me a question. There's um, somebody I know, a lady called Lucy, and she's a fellow cancer survivor. And she asked me to ask you, how do you find the will and motivation to work on those days when either your spirit is down or the energy levels are non-existent? So she, she's had cancer as well. Yeah, well, I, I take, they inject me with Lupron. Lupron. And Lupron takes all your testosterone out of your system and you're lethargic, you're mm -hmm. tired, and you're physically drained. And so I listen to motivational messages, as I said earlier. I play a lot of up-tempo music like uh, Rocky <laughs> to get me going. I practice yoga and Qigong, and I pray and I meditate, yeah. and I laugh often I, <laughs> yeah, I am mischievous and so i will give you a point I this this guy came by to to pick up someone and he went to sleep in the car and he stayed out there not now and the, the mailman said hey i can't leave the mail here so i told this guy i said listen sir woke him up See, the mailman will not leave a mail unless you pull down the street to park someplace else. You're blocking where he comes. He looks at me and he lays back. He goes to sleep. What made some 13-year-old demon come into side of my body? I go in the house and my daughter, she was using something, I think it's called Nair, where you take hair off your legs. So I put a dip of hair, this, this stuff that you put on your leg, women use to get hair off the legs. And so I went back out there, he's leaving, right? I said, sir, hey, wake up, wake up. Sir, wake up, can you hear me? Yeah. I said, well, that's okay. I, I, I tell you what, you can sit right here. So I went back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets home, wherever he goes, it didn't look like he was from the moon because his eyebrows would be gone. He would say, what in the hell? <laughs> what made me do that? I'm just issues. I got issues. This is labeled the educable middle retarded. I don't know. I don't know. I'd love to see him again. <laughs> I bet you he won't park out in front of somebody else's house again. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, you got to be a little off in the head. <laughs> oh, okay, couple of quick more questions because we have to record another bit after this for the members of America. Got it. Okay, what's the question? Let's take care of the questions. Okay, let's let me ask. You. Okay, what what's been your big biggest challenge in your seventy five years of of life that you faced, and and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge I faced was saying, how can you call yourself a success when I went through my divorce, when Gladys Knight and I were married? Mm. And that, that challenged me, because I lost my mother to breast cancer and my best friend waiting on a liver transplant and went through a divorce. 
within three months, either one of those by themselves can take you down. And I began to question myself and, for, and I turned down speaking engagements because my conversation to myself, how can being successful is more than just earning money. It's about building a family, making your marriage work, mm. uh, living a life of contribution, living a life that will outlive you. And what got me through it, <clears throat> I realized that I'd made a very good decision that many people are in a place where this lady I saw her and I hadn't seen her for a long time. And, and I, I said, oh, how are you doing? She said, great. And I said, how's Peter doing? Oh, we're divorced. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, no, baby. Oh, no, don't be sorry to hell no at all. Be happy for me, you know? So I, I it's better to be alone than to wish you were. <laughs> I'm a happy camper, you know. <laughs> I have peace of mind, and you came for a price tag on that. And I just thought it's good. It is great to be me. And so, but it took me a minute to get there. And and we are very good friends. We text back and forth. I don't text too much because she see that I'm getting my sexy back. So. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, I've got another question from Michelle who's in the room and I'm going to unmute her so that she can ask you personally. Okay, Michelle, go ahead. Hello, hello, thank you. So Les, if you had to restart all over again, what would you do differently? What's the biggest change you would make if you had that opportunity? I'd have started sooner. I thought that I, I had the talent, but I didn't have the belief in myself. Mm -hmm. and, and my conversation with myself, as well as to my mentor, who told me, said, man, those guys don't have anything on you who are out there. And, and I said, but I don't have a college degree. I can't compete with people with MBAs and PhDs and years of corporate experience that I don't have. And, and he said, Brownie, we all are born the same way, dumb naked and speechless, you can learn. But for 14 years, because I didn't believe in myself, that's 14 years of people's lives that I could have touched, that I could have transformed, that I could have saved. I would have been able to make a bigger impact. It's one of the, I, I write down a list of living a life of no regrets. And I regret that. And I can't unscramble those eggs that I, I procrastinated for so long. But I'm moving now. <laughs> Let the record show. You've been moving for a long time. Yes. You know, you, you're my inspiration. Uh, I, I'm sure I've told you this, but because I feel the same way. I came out of school, I didn't go to college or university. Um, I had a basic English and maths. And that, that would probably be one of my regrets that I didn't start sooner. Like I've always wanted to be a speaker and a mentor, but I always felt like I can talk for England. I can laugh like you, like you know when we're together, we laugh. And yeah. I, but I always felt not good enough because I don't have a college education. I don't have a degree. And that's always made me feel intimidated and not good enough. And therefore I haven't put myself forward enough because of that. 
but you inspire me, your story inspires me, because you're never too late to start unless you're dead. Um, that's right. I'm here and I'm going. The other thing, anything that's worth doing, it's worth doing badly. <laughs> it's worth doing right if you know how to do it. But if you don't know how to do it, it's worth doing badly until you get it right. I, when I train my speakers, I say to them, first time I stood up to speak, I stood up at Metropolitan Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan, and I sat down. I panicked. And that, that you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. Yep and continue to get the coaching because a coach can take you to a place within yourself that you can't go by yourself, right? Serena Williams, most dominant tennis player on the planet, but she has a coach. And so what most people do, they come out here, they have some script they have memorized mm. and they go around and they give it and eventually they're gonna burn out. And that's the end of it. Mm. And talented, gifted, but no depth. Mm. And you have to have someone with trained eyes, someone who's accomplished, who's doing it on the level that you like to do it on, and that can take you in a place within yourself that, that you are challenged to, to rise to the occasion, to that part of yourself that you now see mm. and to go past there. That's mm. what a coach does. Yeah. And that's why it's so exciting doing this because I know I haven't done my best work yet. And I look at people say, well, I saw you in the Georgia Dome speaking to 80,000 people. <clears throat> and I don't even remember that speech, but I know this, that at that level, and, and I had been speaking a short while, that I would have rated myself around a four or five, but your own personal standards will always be higher than the standards of the people who watch you. Mm. And the speaking industry has been hijacked by people who just speak to sell. I speak to transform lives and to make money, you see? Yeah. But, uh, but orchestrating an experience that will transform people individually and collectively. Because when people see you, they're asking three questions. Who are you? What do you have? And why should I care? Yeah. And so the goal is, is to answer that within the context of your presentation, because people do business with and trust and, and have a bonding and connection with people that they get to know when you are courageous enough to be transparent and vulnerable in your presentation and touch their hearts so that they, when they leave you, they'll be feeling good about themselves, but talking about you. Wow, yeah. Yeah, amazing. <clears throat> Les, we've been nearly an hour. You um, know what? The, I right? know you need that call for my computer. Where's my Lysol? Where's my Lysol? I got to spray the computer. Let's <laughs> call. <laughs> Look here. I was, so uh, let me tell you how paranoid I've been. I was in the room by myself and sneezed and ran the hell out. I was like, oh, it. That's my sneeze. <laughs> I, was a big, I said, I'm spooked. I said, I got to turn the news off. I don't <laughs> stop watching the news. You're never going to leave the house again, Les. 
Oh, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm happy. I got all my little goodies in here, including peanut butter and jelly. Sadly, just <laughs> I got my peanut butter and jelly. It's hid in the closet. <laughs> they don't know that. If I if I come to Atlanta, you're gonna let me in. You're not gonna let me I, in. I, Yes, yes, you can, you can be in the garage and we have a little window where we'll talk to you through that. <laughs> Thanks so much, you're just so kind. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, no problem, no problem. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna, we're gonna end it there because we, we've been nearly an hour. I'm gonna let these guys go and then we're gonna have a little short you little- Let them ask me any questions. I've asked you loads of questions. No, give me four more questions from them. You've been hogging it. Give me four more questions from them. And then okay. we'll go. Right. Okay. Oh, by the way, let me do a commercial. This is a brand new book called You've Gotta Be Hungry. The Greatness Within to Win. It will change your life. Go to I Am Hungry Less Brown and order it. It will take you right to Amazon. I Am Hungry Less Brown. And, 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 and indicate what I want you to do because you're on this, this broadcast. I want you to say, I'm going to send you something today. I'm recording a motivational message. I'm going to send it to you today. It will just say, I want today's message, Les Brown. Les Brown, 77 at gmail.com. I'm doing something for entrepreneurs today, so I want to I want to just give you a gift, okay? You're super. Dead. And if any of you have an interest, in my yeah, yeah lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Yeah. And if any of you want one-on-one coaching to be to to develop a, a, a national and global image and be able to make money virtually from your living room. Yeah. Just email me lesbrowns77 at gmail.com. We, we will teach you and show you how to do it. It's a lot of fun. I love my life. <laughs> oh, yeah, you sure do. Right, listen, you wanted questions from everyone else and not me? Yes, if you have any questions, if you don't have any questions, I'm going to give all of you my address, and I want you to send me an extra roll of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't leave home without my toilet paper. I want you to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whatever. Hello. Okay. <laughs> you know I I got to, listen, I wanted you to sign sign my copy of the book. I thought if Les signs my book for me, I'm going to send him some toilet roll as a gift. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. See, there is the Lord. What about it? <laughs> and I'm going to send you some hand sanitizer. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're so very much. welcome. Listen, there's a couple of questions then, seeing okay. as you don't want to listen to me. Um, Penny asks, what has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment mm. was when my children said to me, we missed you at all the special occasions in our lives when you were up and out and we thought pursuing your dream." but you're making a better life for us. Oh. We were angry with you, but we forgive you and we love you. Ooh, got response. Yes, mm -hmm. that you can never belong to us. We must share you with the world. Yeah, wow. that was the hardest moment. 
to know that your children love you in spite of yourself. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Yes. What Next question, please. Next question, Les, is from Tina, and she asks, I'm wanting to transition from corporate to self-employed. That means when we work for ourselves over here. Um, but it scares me. Any advice to just get on with it? Yes, the, not just get on with it, but you, you want to create a, 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 co a committee of like seven people who have, that are friends who know you and know your skill set and have contacts and relationships and resources that you don't have so that you can brainstorm the direction that you'd like to take your life in. It's very important to, when you're stepping away from a job, to have some other thinking that can help you make the transition faster, let I me mean, make it more effective so that your income does not take a dip. And there's so many ways to do that now with a computer that was not available before. But live, live from your heart. Do, do that which you love to do and be mindful of creating what I call OQP, only quality people. There are people who are always there when they need you, but when you need them, you can't find them. Mm. And so you want to have communication with only quality people as you get ready to transition from where you are to create the life that you were born to live. And by the way, you're a masterpiece because you're a piece of the master. Be with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that OQP. You really drum that into me. This is why we're friends. OQP. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Uh, hang on one second. Ah, Sarah wants to ask a question. I'm just going to unmute Sarah and she's going to ask you a question personally. Go, Sarah. Oh, thank you, Sam. Les, thank you so much. You're such an inspiration. Les, I just wanted to ask, my husband is in charge of the IC unit at the hospital, right? And he's looking after all of the corona patients and families and also leading his team through a really, really challenging time. So I just what he's really held on to what Victor Frankl said about how you have the opportunity to choose your attitude in any given moment. But I just wondered if there's just one little thing that you could please give me that I can give to him to share with his team at the hospital. I would, yes. In fact, the, the first responders here in Georgia watch this video that I'm gonna suggest that you have him watch because you want to expose him to positive things to put his mind in another place because he's facing death and sickness and misery and danger to himself personally. So you want him to have a positive mindset, but he want, we want him to be concerned for his own personal safety, but not consumed with fear. And so uh, this, the video, Les Brown speaking in the Georgia Dome, I would love for him to watch that on a regular basis. It will shift his thinking. And also, it's possible by me. That's going to shift his thinking and getting unstuck. Because when we watch positive things, it's, it's, when we take the time to disengage from what we're doing, we can go back with a clearer mind, be more mindful and deliberate in the choices and how we show up on our personal performance and professional performance. God bless him for his work yeah. and, uh, and our prayers to be with him and your family, that, that he will always be safe. 
Sorry, sorry, I just unmuted you. Sorry, oh, sorry. Liz, thank you for your beautiful words. Thank you. And I will absolutely pass that on and to all of his colleagues and their families as well, just to give them that message of hope that's really powerful. Thank you. And love to see the video. Thank you. And I'm going to record something personally and, and send it to you so you can get it to him. Okay, thank you. What's, thank you. what's your husband's name, Sarah? John. John, okay. okay. After this, Les and I are going to have a chat and I'll get him to do something Bless to you. you. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, Kim asks, um, Les, when you fall asleep at night, do you dream? I don't dream. No? I wish I did. I do not dream. I do not dream. I wish I did, but I don't dream. <laughs> That's a clear I conscience. Sleep, I sleep deeply. Do you? You never had any problem sleeping? Yes, and, and what, I, what I found that when I take melatonin, yeah. And, and some other herbs. My children, my daughter gave my son a marijuana cookie and she said, break it in half, don't give the whole thing to dad. So he comes up and gives it to me, right? I'm doing a broadcast and all of a sudden I get a buzz. I'm saying, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> like this before, hello, you ought to be hungry. <laughs> they had to take, they had to come in here and walk me into the bedroom and give me a bed because I just went off the deep end. I had no idea what hit me. You know, I don't drink or smoke. And they say, if you're not accustomed to, to smoking weed and, and you get take that much in or eating you know, marijuana cookies, and they were potent. So it will take you down. And so it took me down, but guess what? I ain't mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. You didn't dream that night then, not either? No, no. No, no, okay. All right, the next question comes from, can we do this every week, please? <laughs> Uh, Anne asks, um, thank you so much, she says to you, Les, but what are you leaving as your legacy? That I aspired to inspire until I expired. Ooh, I like and he, and he, he lived a life that outlived him. Wow. Say that again that I aspired to inspire until I expired and that I lived a life that outlived me. Wow. I believe that's why we're all here, to live a life that will outlive us. Mm -hmm. Horace Mann said we should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. So to me, when I get up, after I say, Lord, whatever I face today, together you and I can handle it. My mind goes to how can I serve today? Who is it that I can help? I'm thinking of creative ways in which I can get my materials in the prisons and juvenile detention centers, in nursing homes. How we can add music to it and exercise and various things that will give people hope in the face of this pandemic. And reduce the suicide rate. I believe that we can do more than have suicide hotlines. Mm. We can do more than that. Mm. 
Okay, one, one, one final question from me, you know. I'm allowed a question right now. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Who, I mean, I remember when we, when we met and we were talking and one of the, I wanted to ask you about all the people you'd conversed with one-on-one. -on -one. And I think it's like four presidents and Oprah is your, in your phone book and all of that. Who, who inspired you the most out of all the people that you've conversed with? Who would you say is really up there at the top of the tree? Pauline Ahi. Who, sorry? Pauline Ahi. Pauline was born without arms and legs. And I was in Los Angeles and I saw her rolling around in her wheelchair. And she had a phone, a neck like that on the phone, holding it. And she was talking, conducting business. So I came up to her, I said, excuse me, I've been stalking you. She said, I know you've been following me. Yes. I said, are you doing business holding the phone to your ear like that? So she said, yes. I said, I want to talk to you. And so we started a conversation and she had such a peaceful countenance about her and, and comforting voice. I said, I'm doing a training here in two weeks. I'd, I'd like to invite you to come. And so she said, okay, I'm gonna let my husband know. And I would love to, thank you for the invitation. Well, two weeks came and she came in and I was shocked, she was by herself. I said, where's your husband? She said, he wouldn't come with me. And I said, why not? I told him what you said, that I could be a great speaker. And he told me that I couldn't. I said, who you think I'm gonna to listen to? You or Les Brown? He's number one in the world. <laughs> he said, I can speak, I can speak. <laughs> and I said, so what did you do? She said, I left. I got my neighbors to help me. And for the first time in my life, I flew by myself. What? Yes. So here she is in the hotel and no arms, no legs, rolling on this device, and they're pulling the luggage behind her. And sure enough, someone there in the audience volunteered to say, hey, we can become roommates. And that, and it was a great experience. Now she does online coaching, and she does her online speaking, and she's the most captivating person she was stopped by the police not too long ago, driving 70 miles an hour. She had a car converted so she could drive it. So the car, the cop comes up and says, show me your license and give me your registration. And so she said, my license are in my pocketbook on the back seat and my registration is in the glove compartment and you're welcome to go get it. He said, I need you to get it. And she said, I need you to look inside this window. And he looked in. He said, how the hell are you driving this? <laughs> she, she said, I never would have known that. Thank you. <laughs> he said, what do you do? He was curious about how they set it up with the computer. And he wouldn't give her a ticket. He just said, please don't speed anymore. Please, I've seen you before. Please don't speed anymore. I can't give you a ticket. She said, I couldn't receive it anyhow. And what if I had been a hundred miles an hour, how are you going to handcuff me? <laughs> she has such a great,
personality. You got to have her as your guest. She's an incredible human being. What was the name again? Her name is Pauline Ahi. A H. I'll, I'll get the right. A G H U E Ahi. I'll get it for you in, te in her phone number. She's Don't worry. Uh, text it me later, or get Leslie, uh, John Leslie to text it to me. Um, yeah. And I'll, and then I'll share it out later on. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Yeah, so like, out of everybody you've conversed with, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, all of that, she's your number one. She's number one, yes. Okay. Well, I love that story because you told her that she could speak, so she could speak. Now, you've said that to me, so that's all good for me. You can. <laughs> you have, you, you have a, a special way about you. You have a, an energy. You love people. That's just who you are. I do. I would, yeah, you're a diamond in the rough. I would love to work with you. But I could show you how you can use your energy and your personality and your knowledge and, and this, this desire that you have to make a difference in people's lives. That's just in your DNA. As much as you have chosen this path, you were chosen for it. I do believe that. Yeah, thank you, Les. Thank you. I, I, I'll pay you later. <laughs> No, I know that we, we should have been spending time together. I mean, April was probably the time I was going to come to Atlanta, so the pandemic's changed all that. But, uh, you know, we'll get there eventually. We will get there well, eventually. Well, you know, next, next seminar, it's, it's uh, I think it's 1995 plus two rolls of toilet paper. But I'll let you know. I'll give you 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> you have the pleasure of my company. Come on. Remember how good I am to you. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Les, it's been an absolute privilege. I, I, I cannot thank you enough for giving us an hour and 15 minutes of your time. Um, I'm going to let these guys go. And then obviously I'm going to keep you for another sort of 15 minutes to do something for my membership group. Um, okay. I'm going to just unmute everybody in the room so they can just shout goodbye to you. Don't you go anywhere, Les, though. Okay. Everybody, just say goodbye. Thank you to Les. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sam. Bye. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. You've got to be hungry. Thank you. Okay, Les, do you need to go to the toilet before Thank we you, Sam. How do I do it, my son? I don't know where he is, John. Les, Les don't stop. Les, leave it. Uh, <laughs> I gotta learn how to do it. I gotta learn. No, just stay there. Just stay there. Crazy. I gotta go do number one. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you going to the toilet? Uh, uh, oh, okay, now I find what I'm doing. Les, 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 listen, can you hear me? Yeah. Les. Oh, God. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, you're there. Um, don't go anywhere. Just go to the bathroom and come back. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, thank you for watching. Thanks, Dad. Bonus stuff happy in the membership. But thank you for tonight. I really appreciate you all stopping by. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you. Definitely. I'll get into your message, Sarah. Don't worry. Thanks, my lovely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Sue. You're welcome. Thanks, Sam.
Are you coming back on? Can I see your face? Yes. <laughs> Did you go to the bathroom? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm about to get this up and see how do I take this down? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to. Can I help you in any way? What you're trying to do? When I put my glass on, I think I can see what I have up here. I might be able to sort of walk you through it. I'm trying you know to take. How good I am with tech. You tech. You remember? I sorted your phone out for you. Do you remember? That's right. Y'all, yeah, how do you take this down here? So I can be full screen. Oh, I didn't mean to. Okay, that's my photo here. Hey, what's going on, love? You are an absolute legend. Thank you so much for giving so much of your precious time to, to my group. I really, really appreciate it. I, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I just hope one day that I can repay you somehow and... Um, yeah, do something for you at any point in time. Um, any, any, anytime I can help you. But I'll just refer if people, you know, want a serious one, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yep. We're doing real special now because we can do it through the through Zoom and also through the people that want one-on-one coaching. But just encourage people to buy my book. I, I will. And, you know, obviously you agreeing to do this. I've been pumping that out in my Facebook, my social media, and I'll continue to do that and share and share your book as well. Um, I would love you to uh, a signed copy of your book. Um, we got that, don't worry, we'll give that to you. Okay. Um, I will definitely promote all of that. Yeah. And, and everybody knows that I love you anyway, but I'll continue to promote that, um, okay. your book and, and, your, and your group. And uh, I know you've got your Prodigy group as well. Um, yes. So I'll definitely- yeah, program. And John Leslie, you have his number, my son. Yeah, I do. What do you want Good. me to message him with? Hmm? What do you want me to send to John Leslie? What was it, John Leslie? Oh. If, oh, yeah. If you need anything I can be of support to you, just reach out to him. He knows how to get me, okay? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that. I really appreciate that. I mean, you know, I would have loved to have been in Atlanta right now or last month, but, you know, I hope that there comes a time when we can travel. Maybe you're not going to get on an airplane, but I'll, I'll definitely get on an airplane and come see you. All right. Thank you so much. So a couple of things before I let you go then. Um, I would love for you to, um, as I said to you at the beginning, just quickly share maybe something that I can share into my, my little paid membership group. Um, this month, the month of May, we've been talking about resilience. Yes. Uh, and obviously there's all areas of resilience, emotional resilience, physical resilience, uh, financial resilience, mental resilience. Um, but I guess, we, you know, talking to you is really more about talking about uh, mental resilience. Um, what could you maybe share with, with my guys around resilience, mental resilience, maybe sort of three key areas or three, um, three pillars of resilience, I guess. Well, three things is very important right now when you're in a crisis. Focus on where you're going. 
We concern about the dangers, but not consume. Hold a vision of what it is you want to create. And listen to things that feed your faith and allow your doubts to starve to death. What most people are doing now is feeding their fears. You want them to feed their faith and their doubts will starve to death and they'll become an active force in their own lives. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But yeah. I guess going a, 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 um, deeper than that and like, because I talk about having a growth mindset, about having a, a, that underlying belief in yourself that you maybe you're meant for more or you're made for more. That's important. What I found that's really, there's the step before you get to the growth mindset. And that step is, who am I? How am I showing up in my life right now? Because you have to have mental clarity to apply the principles and the process for a growth mindset. Because when you're staggering from the blows of life, you know, Richard Wright said, the impulse to dream has been slowly beaten out of me through the experiences of life. There are people who are traumatized now. They're in a state of shock. They can't think. And they have to be jarred and brought out with truth that is simple, practicable, practical, but they can use it now to create a significant emotional event that will create the shift in their minds mm. at the core level. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, um, the other thing I was gonna ask is, a lot of people that, um, that I work with now and who are part of this group that are gonna see this message, I think they lack the confidence to go forward. You know, they, they may have a, a dream, a hope, um, but they're held back by, um, I guess it's fear ultimately. Yes, um, and here's what I would say to them. Tap into your courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to act in spite of the fear. Most people who reside in fear think that's, that's a safe position. That's not a safe position. You're going to die at some point in time. So that's risky, procrastinating, hiding out. Mm. What's most important is acting with a sense of urgency, like your life depends on it, because it does. Mm. Mm. I think that a lot of people, I talk about that a lot because I always say, you know, I get up and I look at the date and I think, okay, today's Monday, the 18th of May, 2020. This day is never coming again. This date is never going to happen again. This is a non-refundable day. That's what I've ingrained into myself. I love that, a non-refundable day. Yeah. We, yeah I'm we, famous for that. Thank you. Well, I hope that you, you quote me when you use it, but... I quote you, yes. <laughs> well, let's wait for another webinar. But, I, but listen, I'm going to quote you on that, baby. 
Oh, thank you so much. Uh, but my, yeah, so Monday the 18th of May 2020 is never going to happen again. It's a non-refundable day. And I've used that in order to fuel me to show up as best as I can each day, to push forward each day. And that's part of my message to kind of help people um, do that for themselves. But that's, that's not easy for other people. I yeah. Some things happen in your life, you know, loss and grief and trauma. And, and those sometimes things can, can drive you forward. But so many people struggle, still struggle to, to step, step away from, step away from the conventional when they want to do something great with their life or, or pursue a dream. So many people still struggle. I don't know. Is there something else? Is there something more that, it boils down to a person deciding, do I want to die like this? That you, a lady that I was training in Australia, I said, what brought you here? She said, you speak from the heart. Can you teach me how to do that? And I said, yes. I said, there's something else. She said, I've been a wife and I've been a mother, but I've never been me. Wow, well, yeah. I want to be me. I've swallowed my voice. I sacrificed who I was for my husband and my children. Mm. I want to be me. And a lot of people in that place right now. There's an awakening that's taking place right now. Mm. People are thinking in the middle of the night right now and looking at their lives. They're waking up, they'll come to it. Everything happens in the fullness of the time. Mm. One, one last thing uh, for the members of this group. I, I believe that we have many mentors and coaches that come into our life, whether we pay them or not. Um, we, don't, we don't always realize it, right? Who have been your mentors and coaches and who do you see and how do you see the value of that? How has that changed your life? Mike Williams. He wrote the book, The Road to Your Best Stuff. The Road to Your Best Stuff. He saw this Les Brown before I saw him. And I encourage everybody to get the book. I, I wrote the forward to it, The Road to Your Best Stuff. Hmm. And what I learned from him was to live a life that will outlive me, to not have a limited vision of ourselves that you can't fit a big dream yeah. into a small mind. Work on your mind to expand it. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And that's what I've been doing continuously. And have you always had like coaches and mentors to help you with that? Oh, yes. No, no, no. I just only had one. He's the one. Just him. Just him. That's incredible. Because he knows me better than I know myself. Wow. That's powerful, yeah. right? Yes, it is. But he helped you to see yourself. Yes. It took me to see what myself. I couldn't go by myself. Yes. No. That's why I say, like, um, my brand and my podcast, and, and the podcast is called It Starts With You. But I always say it starts with you, with, you know, like we were talking about earlier. Um, but you don't go alone. Right. No, you don't. You have to create, from my perspective, 
OQP, only quality people, collaborative, achievement-driven, supported relationships. Yeah. I got to jump on this other webinar, but I love you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. One last thing. Let's stop this. I'm going to stop this quickly. You've been listening to It Starts With You. My name is Sam Adams. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about me, then you can visit my website, sam-adams.com, where you can find information about my coaching and my speaking. If you're interested in finding out more about the podcast and future guests, then please visit our Facebook page, It Starts With You, and also our Instagram page, It Starts With You podcast. Thanks very much and have a great day.